I love Don Meyer and something that he always said is you can get all the great ideas. You just can't use all the great ideas. And, and we've really tried to narrow down our identity to three or four basketball things every year, three or four aspects of the game and three or four values uh, that we want to live by. And, you know, I think the, the more narrow that focus is, the better chance you have of actually getting the kind of culture that you want and getting the kind of team you want. Welcome to the Jamodi podcast, where we interview coaches and leaders to find out not just what they do, but how they do what they do. Becoming the best version of ourselves is Jamodi, just a matter of doing it. Today, we're joined by head men's basketball coach of Midland Christian School, Chris Ryburn. Coach Ryburn has 229 wins in just nine years as a head coach and has led the Mustangs to three Final Fours. He's been District Coach of the Year five times and the 2020 MRT Coach of the Year. In 2019, Coach Ryburn won the TABC Don Coleman Outstanding Coach Award. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamodi Podcast. Thanks for thanks for doing this, man. How, how are you feeling? Oh, absolutely, man. Happy to do it. I'm I'm uh, honored to be on. Really, what's the best thing that you've borrowed lately, or stolen? Well, you know, I I think everything that I do is probably stolen from somebody, and uh, I, this really isn't something that is necessarily late. I wouldn't say it's lately, but it's just the first thing that jumps out in my mind. I was listening to Chris Beard. Speak at a clinic. It was actually when he was at UNLV uh, for a, a brief stint, and uh, he he really was just talking about how high school coaches. Uh, he hears a lot of high school coaches make excuses for why they can't do things, and mm. you know, complain about uh, the maybe the resources they don't have, and um, just how they really can't take things from college programs because they can't pull off what they can pull off. And, and when he started to talk about that, you know, it really had an impact on me. And, and I, I had definitely been guilty of that at times. Um, and so my assistant, Trent Langford, and I, we, we just started looking at our program and, and trying to think about ways that we could improve and things that maybe we were missing out on because we didn't feel like we had the resources. And so we, we really just started stealing things from Chris Beard and his staff at Texas Tech. And, and uh, you know, one example of that is we – had a few players that were, you know, smaller, really needed to gain weight and, and bulk up. And uh, so we built our own shake bar. Like we, we bought a blender. We went and got a refrigerator off, off Craigslist and uh, put it back, you know, behind our locker room. And, and we had a kid gain 30 pounds from between his sophomore and junior year. And uh, just starting to do some of those little things that it really started to add up. And, and so that, you know, that had an impact on me, and, and it's really started to kind of add up over the years. Uh, another example is our, our managers. We had a manager. His name is Luke Sefcik. He's actually at, at LSU as a student manager now. But uh, Luke is just one of those people that uh, he, he's a great kid. He's super talented, and, and Trent Langford gets a lot of the credit for uh, directing our managers and and really just kind of raising their expectations. And it's amazing how when you have quality people – they will rise or fall to the, the expectations mm. that you set for them. And Luke became a great manager, and he actually brought on some younger guys and trained them as managers. And now it's just a part of our culture that we have these managers who really help us, and we feel like help us actually win games uh, in the long run. And so um, just 
kind of stealing that idea from from Chris Beard that uh, all the little things matter and and where there, where there's a will, there's a way to yeah. pull off some of these things that maybe a higher level program does. No, I, I appreciate you you sharing that. And as soon as you said it, it, it I went back to the hundreds of excuses or things that I've been frustrated with over the years. And, and that's just a great uh, perspective to have uh, about them. Uh, Dick DiVenzio had a quote, or, or maybe he told a story, the founder of PGC, but he said, somebody else with your same set of circumstances could do way more. And that it's kind of along those same lines. And I yeah. knowing, knowing you for years now, I, I do see you as somebody that does a lot and figures out a way to get the most out of his teams and his people. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, even this weekend at the clinic, I think it was Steve Gomez who said, you can't, uh, you can't get the best job, but you can make the best of the job you have. And, uh, think there's a lot of truth to that how does culture drive performance you know that's uh culture's a it's it's kind of a buzzword these days uh but i think it's it's a buzzword for a reason and uh when i think of culture i just think of identity and that as a basketball program or or football program or team uh i think it's really important the identity that you choose mm. and you know, I, I feel like we're as coaches. A lot of times, we're we're guilty of uh, maybe chasing too many things and trying to be good at too many things. And um, you know, I love I love Don Meyer, and something that he always said is, "You can get all the great ideas, you just can't use all the great ideas." And and we've really tried to narrow down our identity to three or four basketball things every year, three or four aspects of the game and three or four values uh, that we want to live by. And, you know, I think the, the more narrow that focus is, the better chance you have of actually getting the kind of culture that you want and getting the kind of team you want. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that, that's one of the cool things about culture is you get to kind of choose what you want to emphasize and what you want to be great at. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, your, you know, your program at Faith is a great example of that. Like if somebody were to come to your practice – um, or watch your your teams play, they would very quickly understand uh, what your culture is all about and what your identity is. And, you know, I think if that's something we all need to ask ourselves is if somebody were to come step into our gym and watch one of our practices, would they be able to tell what our identity is and what our culture is? That's a great point. What were some things this year that if you, do you, or do you choose those values every year? Is it based on kind of what your players or coaching staff come up together, or do you have a set, you know, set standards that from year to year don't change? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're going to have, uh, you know, there, there's a couple things that stick out in my mind that I may get into a little bit later um, that are going to be the same every year. And, and you know, I, I think one of those things is, what we call relentlessness or just an every play mindset. And, and, and like I said, I'll touch on that later, but um, that's something that's never going to change. Um, but I do think there are maybe some aspects of the game that might change year to year based on our personnel. And that's, that's maybe something that's a little more specific to high school because our players uh, that come through our programs change. You and uh, I don't recruit. That's right. Don't recruit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so, you know, you can't control the players you have. Um, you can only control how you, how you develop them. 
and uh, what you emphasize. And so, yeah, that some of those things do change from year to year, but I think your values and, and your culture, um, you know, those things are going to be pretty constant. Hey, you know, you, you guys do such a great job of showing off uh, that, that word relentless. Um, Like even the way that you, after when it's after halftime, you know, some teams will, they'll talk for a second or they'll walk into the locker room. Your guys run from the bench to the locker room and they run back. Uh, how, how do you go about in those little things, teaching that kind of relentless culture? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I think it kind of goes back to being able to develop an identity. And that's one of those small things that's, that, that is a, I would say is a non-negotiable for us. Like you're going to, you're going to stand up on the bench when somebody comes out of the game, you know, you're going to run on and off the court and we try to really identify what are the non-negotiables and let's not have too many of them to where we create all this work that we maybe can't really be consistent in. I think Mm -hmm. if you start picking a whole bunch of things, it's really hard to be consistent. Um, And so, you know, that's something that maybe I've, I've matured a little bit as a coach and, and letting a couple things go that I maybe didn't care about as much and saying, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat the players down with that detail because I don't think it matters quite as much as this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure we, the kids know what our identity is and make sure they know what our non-negotiables are. And that's, and that happens to be one of them. Yeah. That's a great point of there's hundreds of things that we could nitpick about if we wanted to. But then you just end up you getting you get players that are confused that have too many things going on they don't even know the clear direction that you want them to go, so I think that's that's a great point that you choose the things that are most important for you to emphasize in that culture. You can see from watching your teams play they live it out. Well, I appreciate that. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skill Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NIA and NJCAA to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This 10-minute, 100-shot test can be taken for free today on the Biology mobile app. Elevate your game. What's the one thing that makes your program different? Um, Well, man, I, I, I say this kind of with a little bit of hesitation i i don't i don't want to say that we're better at this than anybody um it's just something that we really try to identify with it's something we try to make our identity and it and it is that relentlessness or what we call an every play mindset um you know a while back i was looking at looking back at some of our previous seasons and looking at some numbers and you know, in any given game, an average game, there'd be about 120 possessions between the two teams. What What is it for you guys? <laughs> uh, I mean, o- offensively, we want to be around 80 or 90. Okay. So, so it's going to be more because you guys play so fast. That there's going to be more possessions in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in an average game for us, there might be 60 to 70 possessions for us and then 60 to 70 for right. the other team. So we're looking at 120 possessions a game. And in any one of those games or any one of those possessions, you're going to have, you know, at at least between eight to 10 actions. And that might be a a pass, a screen, a cut. Um, And when you, when you multiply that out, you're looking at a thousand plus actions every game. 
And how many times do players or teams let one thing that happened on one of those actions affect the next one? And, you know, it's, it, it's something that I feel like we can really gain an advantage if we learn how to play every single one of those actions our best. The closer we get to doing that, the closer we get to being the best version of ourselves, um, the best version of our team. And I almost feel like, Matt, like it's kind of like the holy grail that's hiding in plain sight. You know, that, that's the way I feel about it. And I, I think a lot of times, even even though we hold it so close to our heart and, and make it a part of our identity, we still forget about it. And we start to focus on things that don't impact winning as much. But wow. yeah. that that to me is the one got to be the one constant for us and that we are going to try to be the best at. And it's one thing that we have a lot of control over. I, I think you're right that you have a lot of control over, but not a lot of teams. I, our, our team probably quite a bit. We we don't do a good job of that. So how how do you instill that in your players because it's easy to say it's easy to say it at the beginning of the year hey we're going to be an every possession every moment team but how do you actually help them to achieve that yeah I think you know you have to be about it <laughs> you have to be about it and you have to be really consistent as a coach and and I keep saying this it's I think it's one of the reasons why you need to really have an identity as a coach and be able to say, okay, here are my priorities. This is what I'm going to be great at. And that to, to us is our number one priority. And that's where I feel like sometimes we do get an advantage because other people, they may make another aspect, their number one priority that maybe isn't quite as important in that than, as that. And that's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think a great way to do that is, is film. Um, we try to sit down and watch a lot of one-on-one -on -one film with players and help them to understand what we see. Um, and I think that's a lot of times when you coach in the moment and you, you tell a player something or you correct them, they don't understand what you see as the coach. Mm -hmm. And sitting down and watching film gives you a chance to help the player see what you see as a coach. And that's one of the ways we try to use film is to show players where maybe they're falling short and not playing every play. Um, and, and that's, I think that's one of the best tools to help us achieve that mentality. I'm, I'm going to try to dig a little deeper because I, I want to know how, how you do it. I think watching film one-on-one -on -one is a great idea, but you've got so much time in a day, especially during the school year. What's your strategy to when do you find those times, steal those moments with individual players to watch film? Yeah, we, you know, I, I'm, I, I say we, we use that. I, no matter how good a job we do as a staff and watching film with our players one on one, we don't do a good enough job. We, we, there's always more. You could do more. Yeah. We could do more. Um, but, you know, the, the 30 minutes before school uh, is a time we try to use where we can maybe just easily catch guys coming on their way to class and, and you know, catch us for 15 minutes. Um, you know, lunchtime, right after lunch, right after our athletic period, uh, and then before and after practice or times we, we just try to, to cut out. Uh, one, one great idea, you know, I – the Texas Tech fans aren't going to like me complimenting Chris Beard so much. But, <laughs> uh, and I'm a Texas Tech guy, but he, you know, he's a great coach and has done a lot of great things. One, one thing that he spoke about at a clinic was how he has a bowl on his desk with all the players' names. And, you know, whenever he gets a chance, he takes a name out and he makes sure to make some sort of contact or communication. 
And that's one way we use that idea with film is to take a name out and say, okay, I'm going to grab this guy and do film with them. And then just text them and say, Hey, you know, let come in before school. Let's watch 10 minutes of film and kind of, kind of hold you accountable. Awesome. Awesome idea. Love it. I'm going to get a bowl and it's going to be, uh, cause I am one. Of, I think I am one of those guys that if, when I hear something, I am going to try it. So Don, yeah. Don Meyer probably would have gone insane uh, <laughs> with me because, oh, that's a good idea. Let's try that and then see yeah. what sticks. But that's awesome. How do you teach shooting confidence with your teams? This is one thing that shooting confidence I think is really important. I think it's really tricky. Uh, and, and, I, and I think it's something that early on as a coach, you know, I had – I feel like I had a lot of things going for me early on as a coach. I, I had the chance to work for a great coach in Todd Duncan and learned a lot from him. I was really passionate and uh, I was, I was consumed with the game, maybe obsessed. And uh, you know, I was willing to work really hard, you know, but there was a lot that I, that I didn't know and, and wasn't very mature about. And, you know, I think I was really bad about, I would define what a good shot was but then I would turn around and I would get frustrated by that shot if I didn't like the result, mm. you know? And, and I, that's really confusing to players. And I think we really have a tendency to do that as coaches. So one, I think if you're going to give, if you're going to give shooting confidence, you have to give freedom and, and you can't have total control. And I think it's a really hard balance to strike. And I don't know that there's any one right answer. Um, you know, I think, one way we try to do that is, is again, we try to teach them to be uh, process oriented and not results oriented. And we try to use film to do that. Um, one example of that is we, we have a freshman, his name's Zach Day, um, got a chance to be a really, really great shooter. He already is a great shooter. Uh, I've, and I was trying to teach Zach about shot selection and trying to be really careful about making sure that I protected his confidence and so, you know, one thing we did with Zach is brought him in, made a highlight film of every shot, every three-point shot he took over the course of the year. And I would let him grade the shot one to ten, hmm. but I would pause it as soon as he landed and before the ball got to the rim. So he wouldn't get a chance to see how the shot ended up. He would just get to see the situation, you know, his balance, his follow-through. And, you know, it, I think that's a good way to do it because you take the result out. Cause if a shot goes in a kid's automatically going to think, well, it was a, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 on a scale of one to 10. Um, but you know, I think again, if you, if you sit down and you watch film with them, you get a chance to show them what you see as the coach. Mm. And, you know, maybe I could better explain to him sitting down and watching film that we, we could have got a better shot if uh, you know, if you'd have made one more pass here or maybe two possessions before we had taken a couple quick three point shots and we wanted to get into our, you know, a couple reversals before we take that shot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think being able to show them on film, you know, you get to, you get to help them kind of see some of the nuances that they don't see when they're out on the court. I, I love that idea of having them, rate or judge the shot before they see the outcome uh, through film. I think that's really powerful. One thing you said too, that was unique is, is you want to help them help to protect their confidence. So like a shooter uh, only you, you, we can't give them a lot of confidence as coaches because deep down, they know, they know if they've prepared or not, they can't lie to themselves. So this kid 
this freshman, you know he's prepared. So he has the right to be confident. He's put in the time. So at that point, then we can come alongside of him and help him protect it. Because I think the idea of, as coaches, us giving them confidence where they don't have any confidence, but now we're going to give it to them. I just don't think it works like that. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think that's a big part of it, too, is, is understanding that or helping players understand that your skill is a big part of your confidence. And, you know, it takes skill to have confidence. And, and you know, a great example of that is Joseph Van Zandt, who is who's an all four-time All-State player for us. There was nothing I could do to take his confidence away because he was just <laughs> really good, you know, and he's, and he's got that in him. Um, and, and trying to help players understand that, hey, he's he has earned his confidence because he spent a lot of time in the gym. Yeah. One of the things I, I, I hate hearing, a, a few years ago I was coaching select ball, and after one of our workouts, a parent came up and said, oh, we're so glad that they're here and, and, and they're, and they're going to be coached. And, I, you know, it made me feel really good. But then they said their, their high school coach really stole their confidence. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I kind of wanted to say, you know what, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> because it's it wouldn't be long. It wouldn't be long until I said something or I did something that they viewed as, oh, he's stealing his confidence away too. So I think I think the more that we can help, our, one, help our players to feel like they've prepared, whether it's practice, giving them a plan, uh, but then, like you said, coming alongside of them and, and protect, helping protect it, that's huge. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. How do you use social media to enhance your program? Uh, this is something I can take zero credit for. Uh, our our assistant coach Trent Langford who's good at so many things and and does so many things to impact our program he does all of our social media and he's done an incredible job and you can you know if you're listening and you're a high school coach and you're interested in maybe doing a little bit more having more of a presence you can you can look up our uh, Twitter and Instagram it's at MCS Mustang BB I think let me make sure that's right MBB at MCS Mustang MBB um, but but Trent really just kind of taught himself how to do it. He started, you know, learning Photoshop and then, you know, copying a lot of the things that college programs are doing and, and trying to emulate them. Um, but but what I think it's it's really done and the way we've used it is to try to uh, it's really just kind of grow our army and bring other people in. I mean, to, in 2019, 2020, uh, when we were able to have full attendance. Uh, we had three games that had over a thousand people uh, come to our game and that's over capacity. And a lot of those people are just from the community. And I really believe that a lot of that is because of the way that Trent promotes our, our players on social media, the players love it. And the other thing is we'll, we'll use it to try to get some student involvement. Uh, maybe we'll have a, a contest. We, we try to have a contest at halftime of every game and do a giveaway uh, you know, if the player can make a half court shot or whatever, and it's a chance to kind of pull people in and get some engagement and involvement with the community. Um, but I think, you know, that the social media is something that I think a lot of us maybe tend to dismiss. And I think I did early on, but I think it's a, it's a big part of it. It matters to these kids. And so if you can, you know, 
do use it to highlight them and to to elevate them and lift them up to the public. Uh, it's just it's great PR for your program. It's great for your kids. Man, if, if your trend is awesome, like I, I everything that Faith does, uh, and and with Photoshop and everything, like I am constantly trying to just be close to him, and he's done a great job of teaching me. If any coaches are interested, yeah, I mean, reach out to to Chris, and then reach out to to his assistant Trent. Like it, he does an amazing job, and it, this was um, years ago. I was listening to a podcast, and like even I mean. 2010 or something around there, but I heard a coach say, if you're not using, actively using social media to hype up or enhance your program, you're behind. And like, that, as a competitor, I don't like, I don't like to ever think that I'm behind in something or not, you know, not helping yeah. my guys out of my program the way that I can. And another thing too is, is I think we allow our players to, to be more humble and not have to brag on themselves we get to brag on them and we allow them to share and retweet. So that way it's us drawing attention to them and not what, what is tough is when the players are drawing attention to themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think social media is a great way to do that. And there's guys and coaches out like Trent that will share with you what he does and, and it just does a phenomenal job. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're lucky to have, lucky to have Trent and, uh, all the things that he does, social media included, to, to make our program better. What's your favorite culture building activity with your team? I'm going to say two things on this. I think uh, one is we have this is this actually involves our whole program. But every year in the fall, we have a fundraiser and it is a, a pancake supper where we make a uh, bunch of pancakes and, and bacon and, you know, a breakfast for dinner before one of our football games. We have it right across from the football field. We have the players sell tickets. Uh, it's actually a really a, a great fundraiser for our program. But the thing we really try to make sure we do is that we get 100% participation from every family in our program. Hmm. And what I feel like that's done is it's given us a chance to have, do something before the season where we pull everybody in and get people involved. Because I've had years where we have, you know, maybe two or three families, their parents, you just don't see them all year. You don't interact yeah. with them. And it gives us a chance to make sure we make that connection, make make contact, and for everybody to get to do something together that benefits the program. And, and the players, all they all volunteer. They all work. Um, it's it's just a, a good time before we get into the season. And, and it, it, it makes sure that we prevent our first interaction with the parent being a negative one. Yeah, and, that's a good point. And, you know, yeah, a lot of times the first time you meet a parent is when they're sitting down and they want to talk about playing time and it kind yep. of sets the tone for the relationship. Um, so I, I think that's something that we do that really benefits our culture. Before, uh, you, before you go to the next one, what, what yeah. when you say whole program, seventh grade up or freshman year up, high school only? It's really high school, high school only. We, you know, we try to get our, our junior high guys getting get them there to attend but we don't have them necessarily participate what uh, about yeah what about um you're not your multi-sport athletes so the obviously football players that are, are engaged in the game and stuff they don't participate but uh yeah never mind that doesn't make any sense yeah forget that keep going we do have the the football guys will we have them sell tickets at least and okay they promote it and um we always feed the football team after, and, and that includes some nice. of, our, of our basketball guys. Nice. 
What was yeah. your second one? Uh, the second one is we, we always try to do a service project, you know, something that's service oriented. That's that is one of those values. Um, you know, I think it was, it was a John Wooden quote that the happiness begins where selfishness ends. And um, we, we really try to make selflessness a, a one of our core values and a part of our identity, because I think it, you know, one, it's so important for them to learn in their lives how to be selfless and you know what that's going to lead to the rest of their life but it also just complements the game of basketball it, it, it helps kind of promote the the kind of basketball so you know this past year we we went and served dinner at a, a you know soup kitchen and uh, just a chance for us to get outside of the gym do something together as a team and to serve somebody besides ourselves that's awesome i i like the pancake thing, uh, idea yeah you might see some of that on social media at Faith next year. The it's hey, it's great. It's great. Who, who cooks we, it? Who cooks it? So we actually we borrow our our cafeteria. The lady who runs our cafeteria, she helps, and they use the actual cafeteria. But then we bring in about six or seven of those propane griddles, and nice. uh, we make a bunch of batter up before, and then get a you know dads and coaches are out there flipping pancakes all night. That's cool. That's cool. God, you have so many great ideas. Yeah. Coaches, the one thing that every team needs is confident shooters. The last eight years at Grapevine Faith, our teams have averaged 354 made threes each season. I love getting to share with coaches how our shooters train and more importantly, how they think. If you would like to enhance your shooting culture at your school, contact me directly at jamodipodcast at gmail.com. One thing I've noticed... Uh, you, you've been able to get a lot out of your players over the years. And, and you also play a schedule that I think is always aggressive. You're playing bigger schools, you know, public schools that, that uh, just have way more, way more people, way more resources. But how does that, how do you build confidence in your players? Um, I think a big part of that. Um, I, I appreciate all that. And, and, you know, I feel like I can always do a better job of this, but increasing one-on-one -on -one communication, I think is huge. Um, you know, I think we have a tendency as coaches to fall back on the team communication when we're, we're speaking to our team as a group. And I think you lose a lot and you lose a lot in that, you know, maybe kids not paying attention or maybe not really get what you're trying to say. And then you also increase the chance of them picking up something negative from you. If mm -hmm. you're speaking to the whole team. Uh, and, and when you speak to a kid one-on-one -on -one, face to face, you're looking them in the eye, you have a lot better chance of helping them build confidence because they know that what you're saying is directly meant for them. And when you're speaking to the team, they don't know that. And so just, trying to, to make it a daily emphasis to speak to your players one-on-one, -on -one. make sure you're encouraging them. You know, you're, you're giving, you're having like a 10 to one positive to negative ratio on the things that you tell them. I think that's huge. Um, and, and, you know, I think you just never know when one of those little daily conversations is going to have a huge impact on a kid. I'll never forget this. When I was an assistant coach at Lubbock Trinity coaching for Todd, there was a kid on our team, his name is Corey Wimberly, and it was right before I left to become the coach at Midland Christian. 
where he he didn't make the the varsity team as like a sophomore. He he was really motivated. And I had a conversation with him at the time that was seemed really in, inconsequential. Um, and I don't even remember what I said, but that kid, like three, whatever, when he was a senior, we ended up, you know, being in the same in the same gym somewhere. And uh, he came up and he told me how impactful that conversation was to him and hmm. and the way that it just kind of changed everything for him. And to me, that was I didn't even realize it at the time, um, but it just made me think how many how many times have I missed out on having those conversations with kids because I was too busy or had my head down or had tunnel vision. Um, so I just think the more you can communicate with a player one-on-one -on -one and give them some, some encouragement, the better. I, I think that's, that's super important. And I've, I've struggled over, over the years of trying to figure out a way to make sure that I hit everybody. Uh, I think, you know, you sometimes as coaches, we gravitate towards the same player. Sometimes the, the more talented players, the better players, or players that maybe line up with you the way you think, you know, or, or it could be the the players that are or are, are more headaches. We are spending more time talking to them. One thing a coach said uh, that I got to meet with is he his goal is to to touch physically touch every player two times. So a pat on the back saying their name, you know, a high five saying their name. But you kind of make that idea of everybody as you're making those laps around, you get everybody twice. I think. You know, is it is it achievable to get it twice? I don't know, but it probably helps you from missing out on getting or, or missing one person. Yeah, that's a that's a great point about trying to communicate or or touch every player because we do have a tendency to to gravitate towards the players that are like us and like minded or the, <laughs> the trouble players. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times they they kind of take all of our attention and and. Uh, yeah, and I, I love having conversations like this because it's always a good reminder to me, and I'm kind of kicking myself right now. I'm like, yeah. man, I haven't had enough, you know, one-on-one -on -one time uh, lately, but that's a great that's a great point. My, my high school coach, Coach Thomas, told me when I, my first year, I asked him what's something that he would do if he could start over again, and he said he would spend more time with guys 9, 10, 11, and 12 on, mm. on the team. And just another reminder of, man, like, yeah, we, we 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 just tend to focus on those dudes that we know will will be on the floor helping us win in those times. But yeah, the like that conversation you had with that kid, I think that's that's great. Yeah, I, I talked a little bit about the way that you schedule. Um, how does how do you keep your team confident with such an aggressive schedule that you that you take your guys through? Like there there's going to be some games that you just know. Okay, we have to play perfect. And they probably have to play a little bit bad. And, and if that loss happens or something, how do you keep your guys moving forward? Now, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, I think for, especially for high school coaches, I'm sure this is true for college coaches. I just, I'm not in that world, so I don't understand it as much. I think there's an art to scheduling. And I think it really matters how you do that. And don't just blindly make your schedule. Um, here's a couple of things that have, maybe shaped that, informed that, in uh, my philosophy on that. One is I can remember uh, a couple seasons early on in my career when, when we got eliminated in the playoffs, the team that beat us was the best team we had played. Mm. And at that point, I decided that, okay, I'm going to make sure that the team that we're running into in the playoffs is not going to be the best team we've played and that we've played somebody better than that. So we know what it feels like um, because – 
the first time you do something, you, you have very little chance of accomplishing it. You know, we, yeah. we, we've all seen that. Um, and so being able to, to put some people on your schedule that you know is probably going to be a loss, but your team's going to get a sense of what it takes to actually win one of those games. And then the more chances you give yourself to actually win one of those games, the better chance you have of being able to repeat it and know what it takes. Um, and so I think you want to do that, but you got to be real careful about beating your team down and, and, you know, making sure that you schedule some games that are attainable. And I think, you know, we try to schedule as few games as possible that are just going to be, we walk in the gym and, and win, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I do think you need, you know, you got to be careful because if every game is a grind, like I felt like our last year was, it's really hard to get guys nine, 10, 11, 12 playing time. Yeah. Hard for your morale. So I just think trying to sit down and look at what your team needs and, and try to schedule it with wisdom is really important. That's probably one of the best answers or, or the, the reasoning for why to schedule those tougher teams early on. That idea of you don't want that last team that you face being better. I think that's, that's awesome. And I've just watched that in your teams over the years that they just seem to be really tough and they handle – those those bigger schools, those that tougher competition, they handle it really well. And I think that's something I I like to see happen at Faith more. So I appreciate your your leadership in that. Hey, I appreciate that. And I think Matt, a, a great way to do that too is, and and this is something that I got from Todd, is trying to set some some benchmarks or some some goals for your program of like, okay, we want to beat a six A program. And then that's a, you know, that's something you're trying to knock off your list. We want to beat a, a top 10 ranked team in T, in UIL 6A. That's mm -hmm. actually, this past year was the first time we've ever done that. Who'd you be? It was actually friendship, Wolfers yeah. friendship. Um, nice. And, and you know, it was, it, it was not a year where people would have expected that that was going to happen. But, uh, you know, something that we can look back on at the end of our season and, even though we didn't win a state championship, we have something we can really be proud of and something that was uh, kind of a milestone for our program. Coach, are you ready for the, the speed round? Let, let's do it, The man. speed round. Let's you, do it. You're going to kill it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw out some quick questions, and, and the first thing that pops into your head, you just got to answer it. Okay. Ooh, I'm nervous. All right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Cookies and cream. For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. Texting or talking? Talking. Favorite NBA player of all time? Steve Nash. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, super strength. <laughs> Place you most want to travel? Uh, Hawaii. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Two on average. Two and a half. Two on average. In season? Five during the season. <laughs> How many of hours of sleep do you need? Man, I, I'm going to say that is, I, I'm, that, I can't do that rapid fire. I just got to say something, right? That's right. Uh, uh, six and a half. Six and a half. Last one. Godfather or Star Wars? Oh, Godfather. All right. We line up in a lot of ways. I, I, I'm a Star Wars guy. My dad grew <laughs> me up on that, but. Man. I, yeah, I was not, I, I didn't grow up with Star Wars and, and that's, I blame, I blame my father. Um, yeah, but Godfather sounds cooler and most coaches answer Godfather. 
Yeah. Okay. Very few. Okay. Very yeah. few that say Star Wars. I grew up watching Godfather when I wasn't supposed to. Uh, <laughs> I came on TV. Well, man, hey, thank you so much for your time and 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 doing this. I I loved it. I I learned so much from you today. Well, absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me on. It it really was an honor for me. Um, I definitely don't don't feel like I deserve to be on your podcast with all the great guests you've had on, but it, it was a, a great experience for me to get to think about and answer some of these questions. And, and I do want to say, um, you know, you're probably not going to get a lot of this on your podcast, but your listeners, they're not going to get a chance to hear a lot of these things from you. But um, for the listeners, Matt, Matt's a great coach. And uh, I think more, more than that, the way he leads is, is really, really neat to see how, He's such a positive leader for his players and, and really gives them something beyond basketball. So for, for, you know, young coaches out there, if I could give you some advice, it would be go watch other coaches do their job, you know, and go watch somebody. If you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, go watch Matt run a practice. I know he'd be happy to have you and just see how he communicates with his players, how he leads, how he has an identity. Uh, I think that's one of the best things you can do as a young coach. Well. That was that was not scripted at all, and 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 I'll send you your check for all those nice things. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.